Well, hello there and welcome to my little nook of the digital universe. Prepare to dive deep, get real, get close, and find out entirely too much about people you likely don't even know. I am Jeremy Griffin and these are my conversations. So grab a coffee and get comfortable, because here we go. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thank you for listening to the Stream Grace Network, and thank you for coming back after we, this is our second episode after a five-week or four-week hiatus. I don't know. So thank you guys for uh, being patient. But we are back, and uh, just like our previous episode, we have another guest who's going to be jumping on the Stream Grace Network, doing her own podcast. I want you guys all to welcome. I'm going to pretend like I can hear you clap and scream. Kristen Quillen. Kristen, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. How was life today? You know what? It's it's good. Mom life. Doing, mom life. Doing business in the middle of mom life, in the middle of all the things. Yeah. But that's my norm. I probably wouldn't like it any other way. Right. So I think you and I are a lot alike like in this way. I would guess that you're, so for those who don't know, we've met one time besides this podcast. But my, my assumption is that you are really busy, like you said, really busy. You wouldn't change it. Totally agree with you. That's my life too. Yeah. Why do you think we're, why do you think we're busy? Is it just how we're wired, or are we are we covering up for something? Is it a psychosis thing? You have, you have this background. We'll get into this, so you know better than most. Oh, I think we're wired that way, definitely. Okay, I was really hoping I had some sort of element, but it's all right. No, I think that I think that you're <laughs> overall probably winning the game. <laughs> well, I'll take that. That worked for me. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, um, you know who you are, what you do, all that stuff. And then we'll get into some specifics. I'm going to try to make you cry before the end of the podcast. Oh, lovely. I cry <laughs> easy. That won't be hard. <laughs> Nobody cries alone in my presence. That's that awesome. Yeah. Um, I am Kristen Quillen and I am a certified health coach. Um, I also am a speech language pathologist and have a psychology degree. So I do have that varied background. Yeah. I did about 17 years of cognitive therapy with adults so my, my clientele, my patients ranged from, you know, anyone who, who had any interruption in cognition, whether that was from a stroke or Parkinson's or a certain disease or dementia, Alzheimer's, mm. anything that changed their cognitive status. It could just be they were in, they were hospitalized and their cognitive status decreased. So I would come in and do therapy with me, with them, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of my background. When COVID hit. Yeah. Um, I was, I happened to be doing therapy with kids at the time. So, so of of course I wasn't at that point. And, you know, I just felt like the Lord tugging me in a new direction, which I've always been, um, in the health and wellness realm. I, um, am certified as a personal trainer, taught aerobics for years, always been, you know, fascinated by nutrition and, and diet and, um, those kind of things. So I felt the Lord just calling me in a new direction saying, you know, you're going to do this full time. And, and also this is going to branch out into some areas where I'm building a platform for you to glorify me. And I was like, wow, that sounds kind of big. Yeah. Right. (laughs) I don't know all the parts of that, but okay. And you know, along when I just was obedient and walked in that area, um, he's revealed different parts of it to me. And obviously this is one and I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, have just talk about issues and put it out there and chat, have the conversation and then have guests too. Mm-hmm. you know, inspiring, encouraging stories where people have gone through a hard place and they've chosen to grow from that and not stay hurt and wounded inside it. Yeah. Um, things that encourage other people to step out in the direction that they're called in. Yeah. So when it's interesting to me, it's how our spiritually wounded podcast works, you know, is uh, we talk about people who've gone through those struggles in their life. And, you know, I, I call it cyclical. If you, if you're going to wallow in it, you're just going to keep doing it. You know what I mean? And so, um, at some point we got to make a conscious decision to, that we, we don't like what life is doing anymore and just pull ourselves out. Absolutely. You can get knocked down, but you choose to stay there. Yeah. Right. And, you know, someone told me once you will repeat what you don't repair. Mm, I thought, good. oh my gosh, that was golden. Yeah. Because it's so true what you really don't try to repair and try to change and grow from and learn from and and walk in a new direction and change your reaction to it. You'll come right back to that place. Mm-hmm. 
That's true. Yeah. So my son, 10 year old gets up this morning, I'm taking him to school and, uh, <laughs> he gets in the car and he starts digging in his backpack and he says, oh, he's talking as he's doing it. He's like, Oh dad, today's Dr. Seuss day. I got to show you this thing. Oh, mom. And it's just, I'm like, what, what is going on? Like he's starting to have a meltdown and he, he's very like, he'll have meltdowns at school. We got to come get him and stuff. So I'm like, okay, we got to solve this problem like right now. Cause school's starting in like 20 minutes. And so he said, I was like, what, what are you missing? I made this cat in a hat mask and it's not in my backpack. And that was a way more calm version of what he said. <laughs> and so I said, okay, well, it doesn't matter. It's not the end of the world. Like we'll find it later. And he said, no, today is Dr. Seuss day. I have to have this. I said, well, you don't have to have it. I know you want it and it means something to you. So he, uh, he said, I think I left it at Grammy's house. Well, they're like a mile from us. So it's not a big deal. So I'm like, all right, well, or first he thought it was back in the house. So we turn around, go back to the house. I let him go in and look. He doesn't find it. No surprise there. Right. Because he doesn't find anything. Can't find his socks. So exactly. So <laughs> I took him to my in-laws and uh, called on the way there and, and grandpa's looking for it. And, and then I call my wife and she's like, no, I put it in the drawer at the house. So now I'm turning back around, going back to the house and he's apologizing and he keeps saying, dad, I'm really sorry for the hassle. He, and I don't know why he's using that term. <laughs> I'm really sorry for the hassle. And I said, it's fine. Just, you know, let's get this. So we go through this whole big ordeal to get this mask and he uh, he gets in the car and we're headed to school finally and he starts to put it on and it breaks. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this was, this is, this is a problem. <laughs> but the whole thing is, I say that because it's like, okay, what, what is our, our choice right now? And I said, I said, Jake, listen, man, in the, in the grand scheme of things, what, what does this really matter? Like this has happened. We got your mask. We did all we could and it still broke. So you know what? It's Okay. Like you have to make a choice right now that you're going to let this affect your whole day or not. And I was talking to myself because I have to make a choice right then that that's going to affect my whole day or not. Exactly. Because man, I was not happy with that whole process. Um, But I think that's what happens with so many of us who get hurt. um, And that's everybody, right? Everybody gets hurt. Um, We, we have to decide, are we going to let this ruin our rest of our existence? Absolutely. You know, we tell our kids, you're not in control of everything. You're never going to be. The only things you have control over are your own effort, your own attitude, and your own reaction. Right. And I do have a teenager who she is all about control. And And so we use that all the time. Like, you love control. So figure out your controllables. Control your control. There. And don't get stressed <laughs> out about the things that are not in your control because you'll never have your hand up on that. You'll never be able to control that. Right. So figure out the controllables in your life and woo, take charge. Yeah, that's awesome. So I want to back up. We talked about, you know, we've talked about all the stuff that you are, your labels, your mm-hmm. identifiers, if you will. Um, not your identity, Mm-hmm. but your identifiers. Oh, that's a whole nother discussion. Huh? Indeed it is. We can get into it. Um, but I want to talk about this. So, um, where did you grow up as a kid? What's your kind of your childhood background? I grew up in a small town, Northwest of Oklahoma city, Kingfisher. Okay. Small community, I know Kingfisher. small schools, but really wholesome, really great. Um, I have two siblings and parents are still married. Um, Grew up on, you know, just outside of town, so I had a little bit of country life experience. My um, parents have a ranch, not in Kingfisher, but so I have that kind of in the city, doing all the things, but also that country ranch. Did you ever raise a pig? Oh, I I showed animals. You showed animals. You would never, Some great people have showed animals. You would never know that. That's always, you know, when people say, tell us one thing we would never guess about you or we wouldn't know about you. I was like, "Mm, I got that. (laughs) I have shown a heifer. I have shown a steer. I have shown a pig. I have shown a lamb. Like, you would never think that if you saw me in person (laughs) and had a conversation with me. So that's always my thing I throw out. Um, But yeah, so I had that rounded, you know, upbringing of did all the sports, did all the activities also was out on the farm yeah yeah were you so you were driving a tractor way before a car right let me think i drove a car pretty early (laughs) um yeah my kids now they're like what 
you know, when you grow up in a small town and out in the country a little bit, yeah, you're driving the vehicle way before you should. I was going to say, it's a different <laughs> set of rules for oh, yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. I always tell the story how my brother and I, one year, we took the my mom's Suburban down to um, the barn by ourselves. And it had just rained, and so it was muddy. And we were pulling out to shut the gate. And gosh, thinking back, I you know, I blame it on him. He blames it on me. <laughs> but I was trying not to get the car stuck. I don't know how oh. old I was. I clearly was not 16. Um, and so he was out with the gate to shut it and I was gunning the gas so the car wouldn't sit in the mud and he didn't shut the door all the way. Oh, and no. I went through the opening and somehow in that whole situation, we knocked the door off of the car. Wow. So yeah, we, we tell can't really hide story. that one. Yeah. We have lots of stories like that, but <laughs> driving before you're 16. <laughs> That's the fun stuff, man. Yeah. So, um, did, when did you leave Kingfisher? What part of your life? Graduated from Kingfisher High School and attended college at Oklahoma State. OSU. Mm-hmm. Got Pokes. my undergraduate degree. Go Pokes. Um, I'm and a Sooner fan, just so we're clear. It's but. okay. Then I went to OU and got my master's in Boomer speech pathology. Um, so I have a little bit of, you know, both OU, OSU. Um, I don't cheer for OU, but that's okay. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Okay. When you know, they're playing someone else I, like, I cheer for. Right. Well, and yeah. they've got enough fans. As I see it, you got enough fans. OU, OSU is is has always been. I have as much as I am a Sooner fan. I'm not even sure why. I'm. I, let me rephrase that. I absolutely know why. Um, I'm a Bob Stoops fan. Okay. And this is the thing. I'm a huge Mike Gundy fan. Um, not because of the teams or anything else, but their character off the field and like knowing some backstory of each one of those guys and then and hearing moments and seeing stuff. So I like them both and that's why I like OU and OSU. So yeah, they're both go. great guys. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so yeah. lost in the weeds there. OU, OSU. So, um, when did you meet your husband? I met my husband in college at OSU. Okay. What was he doing? He was, um, pre-med, although he didn't end up going to medical school, but, um, yeah, he, we were both there at college Met when we were, let's see, we dated for almost four years before we got married. That's not um, a bad thing. That was one of those situations where I knew he was awesome, a great guy, like no one I'd ever met. And, and it took him a while to be convinced about me. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. Um, That's fun. Yeah. Um, so we dated for about four years and now we have been married, let's see, 21, 21 Fantastic. years. Fantastic. Four kids later. That's weird. So Lori Youngblood, who was just on, mm-hmm. they dated for seven years. And oh, wow. they're coming she up on 25. Well, wow. they they met uh, when she was 16. They were dating at 16. Okay. So they got married in their mid, early 20s. My wife and I met when we were 16, started dating, and we're on 25. Wow. So some victories yeah, here. Yeah, there's some victories Let's encourage there. people, yeah, right? Yeah. Marriage is, not, marriage is not the easiest thing in the world. I remember I was so naive before I was a wife and a mother and thought, oh, I'm going to rock those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the so hardest th- things I've ever done. Let's let's talk about that because this is, and, and I, I always find this interesting. Um, when you date somebody for a long time, I think you go into the marriage with expectations that are unmet, right? Um, for me, one of the things that really stuck out is, you know, I was with my life wife for like five years before we got married. And I remember distinctly right now, two things that have always stuck out. The first thing is when she takes the cap off the toothpaste, she puts that cap like gooey side down on the <laughs> counter. First off, don't put the cap down at all. Like that just doesn't need to happen. And now of course you have the flip tops, but, but you just leave it in your hand and put it right back on. No germs, no. Ugh. And so that was a thing that really, well, I got my own toothpaste. Let's just put it that way. And then um, the other thing is she'd walk in the apartment, our first little place we lived in, and she'd walk in and she would take off her, she would drop her purse, her keys, and her coat, literally just drop them straight down. So like she'd shut the door and they'd just be in front of the door on the floor. And I'm like, what What just happened? Like the next morning she'd pick them up and leave. <laughs> so yeah, those were my... So there were only two things. No, oh, those I'm are like, the no, wow, no. That's really great. No, there's only two things that bothered you. No, not remotely. But and when I say that, so here's the thing. I mean, obviously the pros far outweigh the cons. It's not like it was, you know, crazy. But 
we had to learn, and, and and it's a choice. I mean, we were both, we were raised, or she was raised in church. I was in church at 16. So our whole relationship was Christ-centered. Um, but like, because I was a young worship leader and, um, and going into that field, when we asked for counseling, we couldn't find a pastor to counsel us because this is their statement. Ah, oh, you guys don't need counseling. You're fine. Mm-hmm. Like, no. Mm-hmm. And so we had one session with one person who would counsel us sort of. Um, and it was, you know, a questionnaire is really lame. That's how ours was. Yeah. See, yeah, like the questionnaire thing that you just answer the questions. And, but you know what? If we're all being honest, we can all use counseling. Right. Holy cow. I mean, it's an oil change at the yeah, very least. 21 years into it. We still are. I mean, it's a, it's, it's just like any relationship, but more so in marriage, because in marriage, you're really, um, the other person really sees you. Right. And sees your flaws and knows your flaws and has to learn how to deal with your flaws. Right. And um, every, if you're honest, every couple can benefit from counseling. Sure. You don't have to wait till the bottom falls out. But it's, it's, um, it's constant figuring out how to have grace for each other and figuring out how to love each other in spite of your little quirks. Right. And but it's a decision, yeah, right? You decide to choice. do it. Yeah. So what was, what stuck out to you when you, when you got married, what was the surprise? What was, or set of surprises? What were you, your unmet expectations? If any, maybe you had it all figured out. I didn't have or it. Not figured out, out, but you know, no, I think, Two, the things that you, before you're married, that you don't really, like you do the little questionnaire that you talked about, where you talk about money, Mm. or you talk about certain things, how you view things, but Mm -hmm. it's just an answer to a question. Right. So when you're in the same house, and you're doing life, and you're really dealing with those things, like in it, in it, it's completely, it takes on a whole new level. Mm -hmm. Um, So probably, you know, when we got married, all couples have to learn, okay, well, we said this about money, but now it's really our money right it's not yours and mine and this is how we look at it so just working out those things of how do we actually do the real thing together yeah and figure out the bills bills and figure out savings and figure out our views on this or that or you know the yeah. things that you don't really go into when you are dating or right. even when you have counseling and premarital counseling and you're just answering the question <laughs> right it's there's almost, some, it's idealistic at that point. Yeah, there's still some freedom in, I just answered that question, move on. Exactly. <laughs> but in the real deal, you're like, no, we got to, we got to figure this out and get it taken care of. Yeah. So. I feel like my wife and I dodged a bullet because we didn't really talk about any of those important things. Um, or this, we'll say the things that I think caused so much conflict, we didn't really talk about. And we just shared that conviction. I was like, oh, thank goodness. Like, especially raising kids. Oh, that's a whole nother thing. Oh my kids gosh. Come into the picture, and it's yeah. still daily. Right. We will still have discussions of this is how I think you should approach this or this is how you should say this or why did you say that or it's a it's an ongoing discussion in the marriage like how you handle things. Yeah. And how many so you have four kids? Five kids. Four kids, kids all the way from 16 to just turned 4. Fantastic. My 4-year-old could have her own um what's it called? Her own show. Yeah. She She's, could be a YouTuber, huh? Uh people would watch her. She's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's what I, my 10-year-old says. He's like, he wants to be a YouTuber. And my oldest son and his girlfriend's like, oh, I'd totally watch him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's funny. I mean, her siblings are so much older than her that she says funny things. Like, mm. she just, she's funny. <laughs> Does she, um, so what's the next oldest to her? So we have, um, well, the oldest is 16, and then we have just turned 14, 11, and then she just turned four. Gotcha. So she's four and the next one up is 11. Mm-hmm. Um, is there that sense where she's um, kind of talking, talking bigger words than normal, oh, a normal four-year-old, oh, things absolutely. like that? She thinks she's an adult like everybody else kind absolutely. of thing? Absolutely. And, you know, she'll throw out some vocab and we're like, wow. <laughs> right. Didn't know you knew that. <laughs> exactly. She's like, mother, I'm exacerbated. Yeah. What? Exactly. <laughs> she did that. I mean, I'm not going to remember what the exact words are right now, but in the car the other day, my son and I were driving, I was driving and he looked at me like, wow. And no, she knew that word. And we just laugh at her because, <laughs> you know, she's, she knows exactly what she wants and she's going to tell you what she wants and yeah. in a funny way. <laughs> I love it. So I want you to tell me a little bit about what really, really drives you? Like what, uh, yeah, what What do you get up every morning for? Oh, wow, that is a loaded question. Sure it is. Um, 
Well, probably first of all, just what the Lord calls me to do. Yeah. I'm in this direction because he's calling me here. And there, th- when you step into his calling, oh, there's so much energy in that. And there's so much excitement and so much joy and so much to figure out. And I'm by nature probably just self-motivated and I'm a problem solver. And so that energizes me mm-hmm. just um, following that. And then also being a mom. Yeah. You know, I always wanted to be a mom. That was I never had like high, high career expectations of myself. Like I did. I was always ambitious, always motivated, but I wanted to be a mom more than anything. So I would say, you know, obviously my husband's supposed to be, he's supposed to be before the kids in there. But yeah. Hey, I'm the- glad you recognize that. <laughs> Good job. He's there are some be- listeners who will disagree with that, yeah, but yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, but those are the things mainly that drive me. And then, you know, just, um, relationships I'm an encourager by heart as well and so just doing the journey with with friends um their high spots their low spots I'm a health coach so I have about 30 approximately 30 clients right now and so daily I'm walking that journey with them Mm -hmm. of you know not their health journey is not just what do I eat today what do I put in my mouth it's the stuff deeper and yeah. I love that part. I love, you know, getting into the the whys behind things. Why do you want to make this choice? Why do you want to change? Why do you want to be healthy? What's holding you back? Mm-hmm. And then getting into that mindset shift. That's fascinating to me, too. I mean, I did cognitive therapy for so long. Um, I love that mindset place of, well, let's look at your current mindset and let's figure out how to shift that. Yeah. And so let's analyze what's holding you back from that and what's helping you in that. And I love that part. What's the biggest disconnect for people who are, who you're working with and in terms of like, where, where's their struggle? Where do they make their first mistake in trying to get healthier in life in general? Is there anything consistent? I think it's definitely their mindset. Yeah. Um, you can choose your environment. You can choose, um, what's immediately around you. Not always, not a hundred percent of the time, but I would say consistently the thing that holds people back from a consistent healthy choice or a consistent healthy lifestyle is your mindset. Mm. You go back to either that old pattern or that old habit or that place that's comfortable Mm -hmm. because you know, change and growth. There's nothing comfortable in that. So it's, it's easy for people to slip back into that comfortable place. Yeah. So your podcast is going to be called, do you remember what it's called? Pivot points. <laughs> because I pivoted yeah. in the middle, of, you know, right when COVID hit, the Lord pivoted me. And I love that word pivot. Yeah. Um, Because there's, that has so much meaning. You know, that means, okay, my son, in fact, asked me this morning, I played my little intro for him because mm-hmm. I'm super excited about it. <laughs> and he said, mom, what does that mean? And I'm like, well, pivot, you know, you can pivot in your thought. You can pivot in your physical direction you can pivot in your mindset you can pivot in so many ways it means to literally recognize where you are and choose to move or choose to change choose you know the direction and the pivot and Mm. so i love that that's exciting yeah so you're uh we're hoping to start soon right a couple weeks Mm -hmm. at the latest at the latest and you have guests lined up already i have a few awesome so what's the main, so with your first couple guests, let's mm-hmm. get a little preview. What can we expect from those shows? Um, you know, just encouragement, yeah. just encouragement through their stories and some things that challenge that they've been through and how they chose to pivot mm-hmm. and how they've chosen to use it as a fuel instead of something that's damaging them mm-hmm. um, as a label to stay where they are. Um, I love stories like that because I think each one of us, if we stop and examine where we are and where we really want to be, and then we figure out that space in between. Yeah. How do I get from here to there? And sometimes it just takes some direction. Sometimes it just takes some laying some stuff aside. Sometimes it just takes some real practical steps. Sometimes it just takes encouragement. Yeah. yeah. You know, maybe someone's spoken lies into them and told them they couldn't do that or they weren't qualified for that. And, if that's really where they're supposed to be and that's where their calling is, they definitely are. Yeah. And we even, and then we could have a whole talk on self-doubt. Let's talk about it. Self-doubt. So this is a thing I'm excited because here's the thing. I, I have 
told people this for years uh, with no qualifier. I just believe it in my guts that if you love something, if you're passionate about it, you can succeed at that thing because because you love it, right? Any musician out there, if you anybody who's ever had piano lessons or some sort of lessons and you didn't like it, do you play now? Are you, do you, you know, is it a thing? But then there are people who never had lessons and play like crazy. Why? Because they love it. And if you love fishing, you could be a great fisherman or fisherwoman. Or well, I won't go through the other genders. There's too many. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I think that's the thing. You know, we we've been told we can't too much. And so I want you to dive into that. Talk about your conviction in that area. I, I 100% agree. And you know what? So if you love something, either the Lord's blessed you with the talent, the natural talent for that, mm-hmm. and you just need to take hold of that and run with it. Or it is a little more challenging for you, but you still have that passion. So seek out the areas or the help or the learning that you need to get to the level of achievement in that that you want to gain. Yeah. And not just say, oh, I'm not good or oh, I'm going to give up. If you have that passion, you have that love, um, you know, seek the education you need on it. The other thing like we can get into if we want to talk spiritual side of that. Um, if the Lord's calling you there, it's not about you anyway. Right. If the Lord's calling you there, it's not about your own talents. He's equipping you with what you need for that thing. Yeah. I think so much we start to pick up something that we he's given us a love for. That's from him. Yeah. And he calls you to do something. And then all of a sudden we start going, oh, so-and-so said I wasn't good enough. So-and-so said I can't. I don't know if I have the skills for that. What will people think? What will people say? That is all centered around you. Mm -hmm. And if he's called you to something, it's not about you. He's going to give you exactly what you need to accomplish that. Right. That seems to be the resounding theme of the quote-unquote heroes of the faith in Scripture is they would tell God after he told them what was going on, they would say, well, I'm not qualified for that. And who are we to talk to? He made us. <laughs> oh, my word. Isn't it funny? When it you is. think about it, you laugh. And look who he picked. Look exactly. Who he consistently chose. It was people who were not equipped. Right. Hello. Yeah. I, my theory is, of course, he chose people who were not equipped because if they were. They would not need him. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. He puts us in that place. And, you know, you, you talked about being led or well, you, God gives you that love. That scripture that God gives us the desires of our heart is so often used to say, I desire this, God's going to give it to me. No, no, no. The desire you have was given to you by God. That's how I see that passage. So when I have it, you know, what better way, the number one, in my opinion, the number one way God leads us is through desire. It's through what we want. He puts that in us because that's a really easy way to lead people, right? I mean, the propagation of the species happens because it's something we desire. (laughs) If we didn't, we would not exist as human beings anymore. And so if I have a desire to do something, we so second guess that as as a a group of people, right? We sit there and we're like, well, I just don't know if that's godly. I mean, why? I don't know if I should do it. Do you want to do it? Do you love that? Do it. And you know what? Have a conversation with him. So if you're starting to doubt that and you're starting to guess that, let's go to my example of adoption. So our our fourth child is adopted. And when he laid that on my heart and that desire and that love and that passion and in the journey of that, this is a whole nother topic that we could do sometime. We're pivoting. That's all. We are. We're pivoting. (laughs) Um, In that and in his timing, my timing, it wasn't happening. Yeah. So I started to question, is this me? Is Do I just want this? Am I thinking this would be great? Is this not what you have for me? He's big enough for that conversation. He's big enough for you to go, okay, if this is not what you have for me, Lord, take the desire away from me. Mm-hmm. Why don't we ask that if we're not sure? Why don't we have those conversations with the Lord? I did. I asked. I was like, if this is not what you have for me, then take this away from me. I'm tired of feeling this. I'm tired of wanting it. He didn't, and he fulfilled it, but he did it in his time. Yeah. And um, I don't know where we were going with that, but yeah, I mean, he's big enough to have those conversations of he's given you the desire. So if you're doubting whether or not it really is for you, then have that conversation. Right. Well, I think timing is everything. Um, you know, I think about the Stream Grace Network and some of the stuff that God has me doing right now that are is beyond that. The vision for that happened when I was 22. I love that. That's 22 years ago. Yeah. And, oh, that reminds me. I want to ask you about number stuff. 
I want to know what those numbers mean, but we'll get to that in a minute. Okay. I don't know what you're talking about right now, but you we'll will, get to that. You okay. will in a second. Um, <laughs> any, 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 any knowledge? Oh, the Enneagram. Enneagram. Oh, that's a whole nother one. Yeah, I want to ask you about that. Yeah, okay. So we're, put a pin in okay. it. No, but so so the thing is, what did, what I wanted to do at 22 years old, a 22-year-old likely couldn't do. Not because of the energy, but just because of the cooperation of other people who just aren't going to listen. I mean, my son, my oldest son's 22 and I'm like, well, nobody's going to listen to this guy about, you know, it's one of the things I told him he's, he does a lot of things that, um, he, he gets frustrated with. He asked me questions and I said, son, I love you. You just need to understand like you're 22. And while that has no bearing on your effectiveness on this planet, it, it's an unfortunate reality that some people will not look past that and that's okay. It's not, a hindrance. Don't think of it as, as that. Just live life, do your thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the deal is I didn't like give up on this dream. It was always a desire in me to be able to help churches, ministries, people do what they're called to do. And I, and I had little tastes and moments of it. I worked with a guy uh, at a church. He was planning a church and I started pretty much with him two weeks after they started. And uh, what really pulled me in, he said, I have this vision. He said that I want to help people find and fulfill their God-given destiny. And that simple, like, succinct way of putting it, it just permeated me because that's really what I desired. I wanted to, I have gifts and skill sets that that are the answer to the problem of what people are not able to do what they're called to do because it's like, I just don't know how to do this. So I can come in and do something for me that's very easy and simple and give them the opportunity to go past that little speed bump or mountain or whatever it is for them. Right. It's huge. Right. Well, that's you and I. Right. Yeah, exactly. I don't know the technical side of any of this. And I mean, it was a God given idea being this just, you know, you and I were talking about earlier with Lori Youngblood that the Lord just dropped this all together. I mean, and you know, he's helped connected. He's connecting the dots of what he has for me to do, what he has for you to do and the gifts and how they fit together to carry out his purpose. And, um, in that there's so much energy in that right it's it's ridiculously fulfilling it is i it, this is the thing you know i i deal with a lot of uh like millennials I, I think this people group um probably has this problem more than anybody else that they want to be part of something huge right they and and they see people on youtube for example that are just everyday people that have made impact these influencers and so they have this, that's their role model is that everyday normal people should impact the whole world. They want the real. That's right. They want the real, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Right. And and so on on one level, that's super attainable to them, but then they find themselves not having the impact that this massive, you know, four million follower YouTuber has. And they feel devalued because they don't see the impact they're making because they equate it to that. And so on the and and then so they they look for a career that's going to offer this impact. And so I remember telling one person I said uh so my wife is a documentation specialist for aircraft records. Oh, wow. You know, did you major in that in college? Yeah. Did you have any friends that majored in that? I've never heard of that. <laughs> exactly. So I said, "Do you think my wife um at 17 years old is like, "Oh, I cannot wait to be a documentation specialist for aircraft records." <laughs> Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> it never happened. I said there are there are two things that happen and there's and there's a gradient, but um people work the job to enable them to do their dream and every once in a while people do their job for their dream. Now, one of the things I will also say is don't think that doing your dream as a job is by default your pinnacle of what you really love because uh one of the things I've said before is the fastest way to kill your love for something is do it for a job. <laughs> Cause now it becomes, I've got to get the money. I've got to do this. It changes everything. Mm-hmm. I had a friend, uh, you know, I play paintball like crazy. Um, and it's probably a, a sickness and disease. So if we want to find one, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's it. But I have a friend who owned a field and, uh, he sold it. It's one of my favorite fields. And, uh, he said, I asked, why are you selling this place, man? And, and he said, cause I want to play paintball. The same reason he bought it. Yeah, but he couldn't do it because he was in charge. It was his business. It was his took over. Yeah. And then, and that comes back to, you know, you have to stay in the zone of why am I doing this? Right. It's just that constant again, everyday choice of 
like you said, if you if you have the dream and then it becomes your job, you have to stop and analyze, whoa, let's get back on track of why this is my dream. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people stop dreaming. Yeah. Yeah. They give up. Or they, they've never even stopped to dream, maybe. Yeah, that's true. They thought too. dreaming seemed like something like was silly. Yeah. You know, to dream. Well, why? Right. It's not responsible, apparently. Wow. Well, <laughs> Thank God for irresponsible people on the planet because everything that we enjoy is from someone's dream. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's an interesting thing to me. I, I, I think that, um, you know, that back to those millennials, I, I feel for them. And what I encourage them is exactly that, man. Don't, don't look for a job that's going to change the world. Find a job that allows you to do what you love. If what you love is to play billiards with your friends, then find a job that that's easy, right? Most jobs don't interfere with playing pool, <laughs> but whatever that thing is. And, uh, and then just, and, and when I say that, I mean, it's, there's always the God factor, right? I mean, I say the God factor. He is the factor <laughs> on everything. So if I look at, you know, there are parts of, and this is another thing, when you're doing what, what God's called you to do, don't act like it's, or don't expect you to love every part of that, right? I used to tell people, if you're really in the will of God, you'll probably love 80% of what you do. Because there's practical 20% that kind of sucks. There is. There's hard work and everything. Absolutely. And even if you're doing what you love, there's stretching. Right. The stretching is not going to be lovable all the time you know there's that discomfortable part where you're leveling up you're moving you're growing those are not you know yeah there is a percentage that it's not going to be all right I mean I do sound installs and lighting installs and all these different things and the part that I love about it is meeting the need it's not the actual sometimes it's problem solving I really like solving a problem and doing it Mm -hmm. for less than Mm -hmm. normal like Mm -hmm. finding better Mm -hmm. ways you know Mm -hmm. efficiency Mm -hmm. but but man, I mean, I'm not, I don't love installing sound panels. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? No, I know. Yeah. That's not fun. Right. But the end result's awesome. Right. And that's really what it is. Who likes, I mean, I know some people like exercising. I don't like exercising. I like the end result of exercising. Well, we could have a whole discussion about that. All right. Well, we're, we've got at least 22 minutes left. You so. need to find something. This is what I teach my clients. When you have that feeling of, oh, I have to exercise. Oh, I haven't exercised. Oh, I need to do it more. You're doing it the wrong way. Yeah. So to me, exercise is, and there's going to, there are probably going to be a lot of people who disagree out here because I haven't figured it out yet, but <laughs> um, it's enjoy the movement. So it's move your body. You know, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit bigger on weight training than I am like go hardcore kill yourself for 60 plus minutes yeah um move your body get the blood pumping get your oxygen flowing you know do the things that are um good for like weight training or toning but if it's walking your dog and you enjoy that do it if it's taking the kids to the park and running around throwing some ball that is physical activity i think people get the wrong idea when they feel like they have to hit the gym for a certain amount of time so many days a week there's so much rigidity in that that just like the job thing Mm. then it becomes not enjoyable and it's something you have to do or you didn't do and then a whole level of shame is connected with that sure which changes the feelings and the emotions of it so i'm a big proponent of find the things you enjoy Mm -hmm. back to sort of the dream the job what movement do you enjoy is it walking biking playing with the kids i will i I will say this i think people enjoy watching me exercise (laughs) because when work comes on from Rihanna while I'm on the elliptical, it is a spectacle to behold. Well, see, if you have fun with that, then go for it. I hurt my hip uh, having fun with that. so it. They're so funny. There's a lady on TikTok right now that does, or she does reels on Instagram. Maybe she does both. I don't know. But same thing. She loves to find her favorite songs, and she literally dances on the treadmill or on the machines. And I'm thinking I would kill myself. Yeah. Well, the, nobody gets to see it because I have the elliptical in my bedroom, so okay. it's fine. But I laugh at myself. And and here's the thing. It's funny. I, I don't like... I, I, I disagree with you, of course. Um, <laughs> but but here's what I, what I will say. I don't disagree with you about exercise in general because paintball is a lot of exercise, a lot of running and carrying a lot of gear, and I exactly. love doing that. So that part is true. Um, but, but conditioning for that, um, doing that work on the elliptical... 
the thing I have found it, it's to me, it's find the good side of it. Right. So I, I was on the elliptical for three years straight, didn't miss a day, 30 minutes a day. And, um, and what I found is it was my first time. Cause I go all the time. I can't go anywhere. I'm on the elliptical with nothing to do. And I can't, I can't watch TV or anything like that because I, I lose pace and I want, I'm OCD. So I want, my tempo to be the same. I've got a playlist of exactly the same tempo of music. So my pace stays the same. And, and so amidst all that, like I'm kind of locked into this moment, but I found myself solving so many problems in my mind because I had a moment where I was able to clearly think through something. Cause I had 30 minutes where I was going nowhere. Cause you didn't have the other distractions That's where right. most people put those distractions in purposely right. to get through the activity. Yeah. I tried. It's the worst because I keep looking at the show and I'm like, oh, there's still 15 minutes left. I'm not even enjoying the episode now. It's so fr- <laughs> it's <just> frustrating. <laughs> so that so man, I, I want to kind of go back here real quick. So when like you're doing everything, here's what I love: like your training, not just your passion, but your training is in a complete and total healthy human, from right physical, mm-hmm. mental, mm-hmm. spiritual, mm-hmm. all of those things. Mm-hmm. Where did you make that connection? What what happened and you know what was going on in your life? When did you make the connection of how valuable those things are together? You know what? Maybe just when when I pivoted, maybe just mm. when corona hit. I mean, I've had a career of a speech pathologist and that was the mental, you know, rehab side of it. Um I think I've always had these separate running pieces but didn't really put them together into one thing. Yeah. Um because I've always been in health and wellness. Like I said, like even earlier, I mean, well, always. I mean, I was active growing up in sports. I was a cheerleader, basketball, soccer, all the things. Like mm-hmm. I wanted my body to be moving all the time. Um, and have always done each part. But I think just recently I thought, okay, these are, you know, someone t- someone said once, your body runs on fo- about four cylinders. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to have the physical one going. You got to have the mental one going. You got to have the emotional one going. And the other one was financial, like financial peace and financial um, wisdom. Mm-hmm. And when any one of those is out of whack, your car is not going to work. You yeah. know, it's not going to run right. It's not going to be aligned. Mm. So to have full alignment, you have, you know, and, and we're not always perfect. We're not always going to be perfect. Um, but I started to realize, Oh, I do love all those areas and I do love speaking into those areas and I'm constantly working on those myself. And I have a little bit of background in all those areas. Wow. I, I see how, you know, I'm looking to, um, help the overall, you know, you can't just help one area. Right. They all so, affect each other. Right. They all affect yeah. each other. You could find four different people or four, you know, to f- help you with each area. But I realized, okay, if I'm going to help people be healthy, um, it's going to be overall. Yeah. It's funny you said that. I, so like three or four years ago is when I went on, uh, kind of, I had to fix my world a little bit. Mm-hmm, <laughs> I was mm-hmm. 305 pounds. I went to a, uh, I, I got my life insurance quote and uh, I was like, oh. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> so I'm a determined human. So I simply, I asked when I could retest and cause all my numbers were jacked, right? Mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. diabetic, high cholesterol, mm-hmm. high everything. And, uh, so I just, at that point I started eating at a calorie deficit, um, did a little research, just saw how much, you know, I was using each day. And I thought, well, math is math. So mm-hmm. <laughs> ate at a calorie deficit and I did, uh, the fat burn, tempos which was the hard thing to do because it's easier to do cardio than fat burn oh you're speaking my language right now (laughs) because this is exactly what i coach oh yeah it's key once you figure out fat burn yeah because most because i can do that forever they don't know how to get rid of their stored fat right and we think killing ourselves on a machine well you're past fat burn mode you're up in calorie burn mode exactly and if you're not doing things consistently nutritionally and you're not even taking in the right amount of calories, your body's still storing that fat. So you can ride that elliptical for however long Nothing's at whatever change. speed. <laughs> your body's going to be exactly the right. same. And that's what I noticed. Like that first week I was, I was doing stuff and I started reading just online, reading different things about fat burn specifically. And mm-hmm. was like, well, 
man, I'm my heart rate because I was working at about 145 beats per minute was my constant. And so I was getting great cardio mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was needing to get down to like 125. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I feel like I'm walking on this thing and it's just like nothing's happening. But the cool thing was about that is I, the results were radically different a week later. And not just that, but um, the the stamina, if you're if you're dropped down that low, I literally could have spent the whole day doing the fat burn. And, you know, if I wasn't just bored out of my mind, I could have done that because the it's easy. That tempo is easy. But what I found, this is crazy. At the same time, we were working, me and my wife were working at trying to get out of debt. And I found as soon as I fell off of any one of those wagons, the other ones came toppling down. Mm-hmm. And it was weird. It was like if I, if I had a piece of cake or something that was like way out of bounds, right? <laughs> I'd be like, I'd spend 50 bucks on Amazon. <laughs> yes, they are so connected, they aren't they? are. It's and weird. it makes sense when you you make a lot of progress in one area. Let's say you make a lot of progress in your physical health and you feel better. Well, obviously your mental health right. and your mental well-being changes. It goes up. Yeah. And as well as your emotions, as well as, okay, I'm going to, you just start to have this level up mentality of mm. I want every area to level up because I feel good. Right. Yeah. It's addictive. And anybody who's listening to this, let me just say this too. It's so hard to explain feeling good <laughs> because I remember thinking when someone would say, I just feel better. I'm like, I feel, I feel fine. <laughs> and you don't know how crappy you feel until you feel good. Exactly. And you're like, whoa. And now it's like there are occasions and they're super rare now where I'll have to eat like fast food, which I avoid like the plague. Right. Um, But it's like this is just all I can do right this minute. Mm -hmm. And oh, I'd rather have not eaten anything. Mm -hmm. It's like 20 minutes later. I'm like, this Mm -hmm. is terrible. Mm -hmm. Or have a Coke or something like there's not even water available. Like if you're traveling to, you know, South America, you kind of have to drink other things besides water. And if you're not used to that, it's like miserable. It's like an elimination diet. So if no one's ever tried an elimination diet, you take a lot of things out and get yourself really clean and your gut clean. You kind of take it down to the basis and then you slowly add one thing in at a time and you see how your body reacts. Mm. It's the same thing. You get to this place to where then when you add it back in, you're like, Oh, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> right. And you don't know, you didn't know that that bothered you so bad until you felt better. Yeah. 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 So do it. Get, yeah. get well. And in fact, contact Kristen because. Well, absolutely. Can solve all those problems for him. <sighs> it's exciting. I'm falling off the wagon. I, I need to get back on. I lost uh, 70 pounds in a year. That was the cool thing. I came back and. I did all the testing again a year later. All of my numbers, never gone on any meds, right? All of my numbers, blood pressure, pulse rate, everything. So I was, my my average pulse before was like 80. My my resting average pulse now is in the 50s. And um, like blood pressure went from 130 over 90 to 110 over 70, 75. I'm like, so just everything got better. Mm-hmm. And I, I keep wondering, like when I hear people who, who struggle with certain things and I, they go to the doctor and I'm thinking they get put on some medication and I'm like, I will ask, did they say you should exercise or diet or anything? And they're like, well, you know, they always say, you know, of course you could stand to lose some weight or something like that. Right. And I'm like, I've, I've just kind of resolved one of two things. Either they don't get paid for you getting healthy, <laughs> which I think is really more true. Um, but the other thing is. Um, I don't think they believe anyone's going to do it. It's like, you can tell people they need to do that, but they're not going to do it. So I'm just resigning to the fact that you're now going to live unhealthily and hook you up. And I'm going to put a bandaid on it. Right. Because that's what I have here in my toolbox. Cause they're not coaches. I mean, they're right. not health coaches. They're not. Yeah. I, I'm, I agree with you, but there mm. are so many things that back to the controllables of what you have control over. I tell everyone you're like, Unless you are diagnosed with something, but even then you have controllables within that diagnosis. You have the power to make the choices. You have the power to seek out the help or to find the the thing that works for you, the program you have. That's within your control. Yeah. And it brings about amazing changes. It does. I mean, it's, it, it was definitely life changing for me. Um, 
in a lot of ways. What was funny, I used to play basketball on my afternoon break with one of the guys I worked with and, uh, and he was with me. I was in Las Vegas when I got the call from my, um, my, uh, agent about my life insurance. And, uh, I, my first response was, Hey, we need to talk about your quote. And I said, okay, am I going to die? <laughs> and he said, no, you're not going to die. Well, he's, he basically said, Hey, it's going to be three times as expensive as what we had, what we had said. Now he was going off of what he already knew about me. So that was even worse after the blood work and everything. And so I said, so what you're telling me is this, I am three times more likely to die by 60 than previously uh, expected. And he said, well, I guess that's one way of looking at it. Because to me, it's the only way of looking at yes, it. If you're tripling my rates, that's precisely what yes. they're saying. And so I, I was like, well, I don't want to die by 60. And while right now I'm probably fine, what they're looking at is going, well, here's his numbers now. He's not on any medication. Yeah, he's going to die before he's 60, no no doubt. <laughs> right? I tell prospective clients when they're talking to me or they're saying, what do you do? Well, how this help me? You know, I tell them this is not a diet. Right. This is a program, a long-term lifestyle change because right. you have to look at this as an investment in your lifetime. Right. You have to analyze, do I want to do this stuff now to be this way in 10 years? Exactly. Because if the time's going to pass anyway. Right. If you choose not to do it and to do the right healthy things now, what does the 10 years from now look like for you? Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing the insurance agents do it. 10 years from now, what are we looking at? Exactly. And that's what they base your rates on. It's the same thing whether you choose to be healthy now. It's about 10 years from now. Yeah. Well, my buddy who was with me, he said, man, this, I told him, I said, well, this is what I'm going to do. This is before I even found out the real hard parts, you know, of uh, the hard sayings, we'll say, from the insurance guy. But uh, he said, man, it's going to be so awesome when we play basketball now because you'll be able to dunk. <laughs> I said, that's not how that works. That's hilarious. Because <laughs> for the record, no. 70 yeah. pounds later, I still yeah. couldn't dunk. Yeah. Dunking takes some different qualifications I, right i was yeah. like dude this isn't plyometrics man if this only. is <laughs> i'm just losing weight yeah. just losing weight but yeah man it's 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 an interesting thing i love what you're doing i love um being that that's the holistic approach is the only way i think to be successful um with people in that because and i and i know that from my own personal experience and i've seen it so many times yeah. So I think it's key. And and the mental and spiritual, all those things have to get revamped. So I think that's fantastic. For you guys listening out there, um, it's going to be uh, uh, Pivot Points with Kristen Quillen. It'll be on the Stream Grace Network. You can find it at streamgrace.com. Uh, and of course, you can subscribe. It'll be on all the major platforms as we move forward. And uh, Kristen, thanks for being here. It was so fun. Was it good? Yeah, so fun. We could do this like every day. Oh, yeah. This you know, is. This, it, I have lots of things I can talk about. <laughs> <laughs> well, next time you interview me. Okay. And we'll go from there. Okay. Hey, I want to thank you guys for joining us as well. And uh, again, if you want to find more podcasts like these and uh, some that aren't like these, you can find them at streamgrace.com. And I love you. <laughs> God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.